0: Hello and welcome to the Glow Journal podcast, a conversation with the beautiful minds behind the world's biggest beauty brands. I'm your host, beauty writer Gemma Watts, and in this episode, I'm joined by the founder and CEO of Model Co, Shelley Sullivan. I sincerely believe that Shelley Sullivan has one of the sharpest business minds in Australia and quite possibly the world. Shelley grew up knowing she wanted to own and operate her own business, founding her own event management company at age 18 and a modelling agency aged 21. On founding that agency, Shelley represented one talent. On selling the business 10 years later, that number had grown to 1,800. Never one to rest on her laurels, Shelley began to identify a gap for a truly innovative niche brand in the beauty market to compete with the existing multinationals and... Eight years into running the agency, she launched Model Co. with a single product, the world's first heated eyelash curler. The eyes of the world were now firmly on Shelly, with global beauty industry insiders asking what will Shelly do next? A year after that first to market launch, Shelly sold the agency and focused on growing Model Co., a business she's now been at the helm of for 17 years. Modelco have maintained that reputation for innovation, developing 250 products and launching several first-to-market innovations since their 2002 launch. One such product, the world's first airbrush tan in a can, a can of which is sold globally every 36 seconds. The years that followed saw Modelco collaborate with industry icons, including Haley Baldwin. Elle McPherson and Rosie Huntington-Whiteley. And in 2017, the brand was selected ahead of 27 companies globally to develop a 52-piece collection with Karl Lagerfeld, a collection that Shelley credits with officially placing Model Co on the global beauty map. In this conversation, Shelley discusses the importance of learning from the ground up, how to determine what women want and the magic product-selling ingredients that she launched Model Co. with and still relies on today. Prior to founding Model Co., you founded and ran a modelling and talent agency, but I want to start by rewinding even further back. What is your very first memory of beauty? I was
1: always obsessed with lashes and mascara yeah. growing up. Um, and I think that's probably what led me to our first product in Modelco. I was about to say that. But I was always, say, always obsessed with sense. lashes and mascara, so yeah, it uh-huh. was my first foray into beauty.
0: With that in mind, what did you think you would be when you grew up?
1: I always knew that I wanted to own my own business in some capacity, mm-hmm. um, but didn't know exactly what that that was. And when I left school, I all of my friends were sh- um, traveling around the world. And I knew that I just wanted to get in and start running my own business, but I still even then didn't know what I wanted to do. So mm-hmm. I was, you um, know, reception to modelling agency and I was thinking about starting my own business, putting together fashion shows and, and so forth. But yeah, mm. growing up, I never knew what I exactly wanted to do other than I really wanted to have my own business.
0: Well, it was at 21 that you did found that agency, but am I right in saying that your first foray into business was when you're around 18 and you're organising fashion shows and parties and things like that?
1: So I was always very social growing up um, and I loved having a good time and I loved going to events and parties Mm -hmm. and I thought to myself well wow wouldn't it be great if I could create an event company that showed people how to really have a good time and put together exceptional parties. So I started a business called Elite Productions and it was a combination of putting together weddings, parties, 18th, 21st, 30th. Um, It was and that was what actually led me into running swimsuit competitions. Ah. So back in the day I was running swimsuit competitions. I started Miss Bondi and East Coast Beach Girl competitions mm-hmm. through that, that company. And then I was providing um, the talent agencies in Australia with models. So I partnered right. with Chad Weeks and Sheik and whoever else there was back in the day. And we were giving all of the talent who won the, the competition to those modelling agencies.
0: So that was that link. Amazing. I mean, to want to run a business and to know that you want to run a business is one thing, but having these skills to do that is another thing entirely, particularly so young. Where do you think that comes from? Is that something you've always had or did you study?
1: Look, I I think I've always had a drive and determination um, to do the unimaginable and to Mm. always to to step outside... um, to step outside the square and create something for myself. So when I left school, I did a diploma of business. Yeah. But really my biggest education was getting in and learning it from the ground up. I don't think it matters, um, you know, how many university degrees and so forth that you can do. It's really about getting in and giving it a go and learning from the ground up.
0: I think that's really sound advice for anyone wanting to kind of get, Just get in business. and give it a go. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. So you mentioned that you did work as a receptionist at a modelling agency before you founded your own agency. What was the catalyst that led to you going out on your own? So after Elite Productions, I took a job in a, in a modelling
1: agency as a receptionist and it really gave me a good insight as to people management, mm-hmm. um, also the psychology of managing people as well as right. running a modelling agency. So being on the front desk and being similar age to the talent I um, and models... I got to know what it was that they wanted from an agency and what they wanted from a manager. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, wow, I think I can give that personalised service which was really lacking back in the day. So it was from there I started my own agency and our point of difference was really about Um, providing a level of uh, personalisation when it comes to managing um, talent, whether it was their diet, um, spending additional time with them, teaching them how to really be a model. Mm -hmm. So I felt that I could offer something different. So it was then I set up my own agency at 21 and I remember we started with one talent. By the time I sold it, we had 1,800 talent. So it was really that.
0: 1,800? Yes. Well, we had
1: actors, models, fashion models and children division.
0: Amazing. So you ran and obviously grew that agency for 10 years. Yep. What were some of the lessons that you learned during that period that you find you're still applying to your work today?
1: Uh, People management skills, managing different types of personalities. Mm -hmm. Um, And whilst I was running a modelling agency, it wasn't just about the people. It was about finance and um, negotiation and... There was a whole host of different different elements to that business mm-hmm. um, that made that business work. So even today in Model Co, I'm not just creating beauty products, it's finance, logistics, marketing, social media, um, supply chain. Mm. So with every business that you run, it's not just about the actual business you're going into, it's about everything in the back end
0: that helps it function. It's a huge operation. It's amazing. <laughs> so it was in 2002 that you launched Model Co. Talk me through that time when you launched. Talk me... ...through the lead up and what the gap was that you wanted to fill?
1: So about eight years into um, running and owning a modelling agency... ...I knew... Um, but there was a gap in the global beauty industry for innovative, unique beauty products. Mm-hmm. So back in the day, we were, it was like Estee Lauder, Chanel, Clinique. There wasn't really anything innovative and there wasn't social yeah. media back then. It was very much led by magazines and newspapers. Mm-hmm. Um, so as I said, I I loved mascaras and lash products. Mm-hmm. And, and then I had all of my models coming in and they had these like eye, eye lash uh, skin burns on the corners oh. of their eyes. And I'm saying to them, well, what, what is that? They said, oh, well, we're trying to curl our lashes. So they had those old fascia clamper curl curlers and they used to use their blow dryer and oh. heat them up and try and clamp their lashes that acted like you know, a curler for their eyelashes. My
0: whole body has tensed up. I know. <laughs> I'm saying,
1: Surely there's a better way to curl your lashes. So yeah. I set up, I uh, set about creating the first ever heated eyelash curler mm-hmm. and it was, a, it was a utensil and apparatus that you put a battery in, you you bent your eyelash backwards and all of a sudden, boom, you had these fantastic... Um, um, Curled lashes, mm. so I had the modelling agency and created this product called Lash One, and so I was basically running Model Co. Was that was the first product yeah. together, and it absolutely just took off. And the magic ingredient was innovation, mm-hmm. um, having something that women didn't have, aligning it to a celebrity, and I was obviously friends with a lot of beauty. And yes. at the time, it was Elle McPherson and Kylie Minogue who said they loved the product. Amazing. Knowing people in media, so it ended up in the magazines, mm-hmm. and then having a point of sale. And back then, it was Maya in Australia. Mm-hmm. So with the right recipe to six the product just took off and before um, I knew it were in Colette in Paris, we were all around the world, Quartier 206 in London at the time and we were everywhere all around the world with this one product and we were selling tens of thousands of units of this heated eyelash colour a week. So I knew that if I could continue to create innovative products that were different, aligned to um, celebrities and ambassadors um, and that really... um, were a point of difference to what every other beauty brand had, I knew that was a recipe for success. Mm. So after Heated Eyelash Curler, again, inspired by my my models, was Tan in a Can. So over the 18 years, we've continued to come out with world-first innovations that that continue Mm. to kind of transcend the way
0: women um, think about beauty. Well, you really have continued to do it. As you're talking, I'm like, well, this is the business model they're still following. If it works, it works. It's one thing we talk a lot of on this podcast about having the idea and then how you actually turn that into a physical product because they're two very different things so where did you go from having this great idea to launching a product how did you find a manufacturer how did you um, you know you mentioned you were in Maya how did you go to them and God, get them that's a, I mean <laughs> have you got all
1: day I do um, <laughs> so um, you probably don't but I certainly do uh, so. Um, from the concept, I went about researching, well, how do I go about um, manufacturing this product? I researched manufacturers. I then learnt that I had to tool, which was kind of, I had to find someone to help um, then create the tooling. So, once I'd tooled the product, it was all about the packaging and I knew that it had to be sexy and something different and cut through when it came to product placement in magazines. Mm -hmm. Um, And then coupled that with um, the connections that we had within the beauty industry. And so... Yeah. So it was. It was pretty much um, sheer determination and finding a way. Um I think my biggest experience over and above heated eyelash curler was tan in a can.
0: Yes. When I
1: had that tan in a can moment, I was told by manufacturers, well, how can you put tan in a can? I'm like, if you can put WD-40 and Rexona in a can, surely you can put tan in a can. Yeah. So I was told for ages, no, you can't put it in a can. Literally, I went out to the manufacturers and sat with them and explained, well, this is all it is and this is all it needs to do to the skin it needs to brown. It's really about... determination not taking no for an answer and going with your gut feel and I knew that all the way along over the years that if I had an innovative product that we can bring it to market but it's about defying the odds having determination and finding other people that believe in your vision as well
0: I do want to spend time on that tan in a can but I still have a couple of questions about the eyelash curler because I just like what a product to launch with it sold out globally so soon after launch how long did the process take from coming up with the idea through to it being available for consumers?
1: Well, we work pretty fast. I mean, I think most brands are like two years. We're about six months. Yeah, from
0: concept to shelf. Amazing. And so you had that product out while you were still at the modelling agency. How long until you were like, okay, I've got to sell? the modeling agency 12 months 12 months so it was so busy and so
1: big and all the retailers around the world were saying wow if you could create this one innovation what's next and I knew that I couldn't manage it well I had 15 staff at the time managing Mm. um the business with me but I just felt that the future and where I wanted to go was in the beauty industry so we sold the modeling agency and then invested Mm.
0: everything into model co well from the perspective of a model co-consumer you made the right call the second product you launched as you've mentioned was the tan airbrush in a can if my research serves one can of that sells now every 36 seconds unbelievable from my perspective as a consumer that completely revolutionized the tanning industry locally and overseas and that's really what i guess bolstered model co onto a you know a global, global stage what was and is it about that product that you think resonated with everyone
1: Back when we launched that product, there really wasn't any any other brands in the tanning industry globally. There was maybe like one or two products that had gel-based products. Yeah. There weren't – and it was all about solarium. Solariums were becoming um, a focus of not being healthy for, for the body. There were no spray tans back in the day. Yeah. So I knew that if I could put a product in a can that provided women – With a flawless-looking tan, with even coverage, that literally bronzed the skin um, and didn't turn it orange. That I knew that was a recipe for success. Mm -hmm. So I remember when I launched that product, um, and also at the time, everybody said you can't launch a hot pink brand. No one's going to like hot pink. And I said, well, I don't care. I love hot pink. It's going to be a hot pink. It's going to be tan. It's going to be in a can. So I think there was just so many um, benefits of so many things going for that product where there was no competitors in the market. Yeah. Now there's like hundreds of tanning brands. Mm-hmm. So when we launched that product, it was just at the right time. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so from then we've gone on to create um, you know, up to 30 products in our tanning collection.
0: Amazing. 30 products in the tanning collection, but something to the tune of 250 products across all of the ranges, mm-hmm. many of which have been world first. You keep coming back to this idea of innovation and I – certainly think that that is at the core of Model Co. We've already obviously mentioned the heated lash curler. We've mentioned the tan. Another one that has certainly stuck with me is the lip lights, which <laughs> for the, the uninitiated, firstly, what are you doing? But the lip glosses with the inbuilt mirror and the light, like it's, it's genius. It makes so much sense. How do you keep coming up with these ideas? Like, Are you just a natural innovator or are you, you know, ear to the ground figuring out what people want, a bit of both? I think it's a combination of both. I'm always looking
1: at what women need within their beauty regime. I'm always looking for gaps in the market. I'm always looking for um, cross-promotion between different um, categories. As an example, Tan in a Can... Like it was a Rexona can that was living or, or a WD-40, which was a, light, a home product. Right. So if I have a look at other forms of packaging, how can I bring that into beauty? So always looking at different ways to innovate within packaging in the beauty space. Mm-hmm. Um, listening to what women want. We're very close to our consumer. Yes. We've got emails that flood in all the time with inspiration. You know, can you create this product and this brow product? So I think over the years we've been well known um, for being innovators and first to market. So mm-hmm. we have a lot of loyal consumers that obviously, um, obviously do give us inspiration. Yeah. But I think
0: I'm just naturally driven to think about innovation. I think it's nice that you're reading those emails that come in. Because yes. I feel like a lot of... I still read them all. I think that's amazing. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. How do you know when you're on to a winner or is that just gut feeling?
1: A lot of it truly is gut feeling. Yeah. Um, we've got a tremendous team here at Model Co and they're all very much plugged into beauty and fashion. Mm. So they're, my team's obviously my go-to when I have the next crazy idea. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean I think we've got a lot of innovation in the pipeline and some yep. of it doesn't make it to shelf sometimes you know the shelf life isn't right or the the product the productivity of the product isn't right but we've always got a pipeline
0: of innovation here at model co mm-hmm. do you ever suffer from creative block never amazing oh. always got the creativity flowing <laughs> oh i mean it's an important skill to have we obviously are talking about being first to market world first It's kind of a double-edged sword because it's obviously, you know, very exciting to be the first to come out with this amazing product but with innovation comes... education. That and also there's going to be copycats somewhere down the line. It may not be straight away but I think it's kind of the case in any business. It is a fact of life for business owners. How do you deal with competition... And what would be your advice to anyone who is struggling to deal with pressure from their competitors?
1: I think at the end of the day, consumers are very much attached to the brand. So if mm-hmm. you've got brand loyalty, um, so for instance with Tan In A Can, there's been many tanning brands that have come out with Tan In A Can, but we still maintain our loyalty because the product delivers on its promise. Yeah. The quality there. So if you can build a strong brand with a strong product offering and quality formulations and mm. delivers what it promises, um, you're not going to get a lot of brand switch. I mean, it's, it's natural that there are going to be competitors that come out. Um, but then it's up to you to be on the f- on the front foot and come up with the next innovation to kind of win those customers back.
0: Yeah, I think that's sound advice because it's very easy to say, "Oh, just block out the competitors," but you've you know you've mm. kind of got to be aware. I would love to talk to you about the power of collaboration. You mentioned when you first launched, you obviously had these relationships with Elle McPherson, Kylie, just you know, just yeah. small up and comers. You've since created capsule collections with Haley Baldwin. McPherson, Rosie Huntington-Whiteley, just to name a few. Talk me through the collaborative process and what a partnership of that nature can do for a brand.
1: Um, To give an example, um, say Hayley Baldwin, Mm. who's now Hayley Bieber. Yes. Um, But at the time, Hayley really wanted to get her foot into the beauty industry but own her own brand and she knew that it wasn't just about... um, just creating products. To, to have a brand, there's an enormous infrastructure that's required. Yes. So we used her um, marketing ability and her um, customer base. Mm-hmm. And then I did all the product development and basically product through to shelf logistics. Um, finance and all the rest of it so we came together we talked about what she felt she wanted in her beauty regime what we felt her consumers really resonated with mm-hmm. and we created that collection together I think there was about 30 products in the collection I think I bought every single one
0: of them did you yeah the cream bronze and highlight yeah oh that mes- was good
1: Oh, heaven absolutely and, and I think the products were I said to Halle, what is it that you really like it's not about what mm. you think always Um, your consumers like, but what do you wear? Because if you have authenticity around what you're wearing, it will resonate. Because the minute you say, I think I know what other women want, um, I know myself, I've always, you know, I always want curly eyelashes, I always want to look tan, Mm. I always want glossy lips. So there's a combination of knowing what women want and also you truly believing in it with that authenticity. Yeah. So the collection was created by sitting down with Hayley and authentically coming up with products that she uses and she knows her customers want. And we went about creating the collection of this beautiful black packaging. Mm-hmm. We sold it in Mecca here in Australia and various other outlets throughout the world. So a true successful collaboration has to be built on authenticity.
0: Yeah. I think that certainly from a consumer perspective, that absolutely came through. Mm-hmm. And, and the products, if they're quality, they're yeah. quality. While we're on the power of collaboration, you've cited 2017 as being a turning point, to quote you back to you for Model Co, as that was the year that you were invited to pitch for the Carl Lagerfeld collaboration. You were up against, is it 52? I read 52 and 57 other cosmetics companies. 27. Oh, 27.
1: Yeah, we're, we're up against 27 cosmetic com- um, uh, uh, companies, but the, the collection was a 52 piece collection. Okay. So um, the, the call out was on that Carl wanted to create a beauty collection. So yeah. um, we were offered to um, participate. And I went to Paris and I pitched my strategy, which was very different to everybody else's. Yeah. Um, and for whatever reason, they fell in love with what we had to offer. Mm-hmm. And then the, then the journey started with creating the 52-piece collection.
0: What do you think that point of difference was that set you
1: apart? My determination to do something different and to have a short, sharp collection that wasn't over 10 years, it was over six months. Yeah. I felt that the beauty industry is so saturated today with indie brands and mass brands and premium brands that I really wanted to create something that cut through using the power of Carl and his fashion icon status yep. with our ability to innovate in product mm-hmm. and bring it together. But a lot of the other um, beauty brands were pitching something over a long period of time. Yep. Um,
0: but mine was very much a short, sharp strategy. Yeah. I mean, amazing. How did that particular collaboration alter global perception of Model Co.? Uh, I feel that it put us on the global
1: map, not that we weren't already, but really a different level. Yeah. It was interesting when we were selling in the car collection to all of the major retailers. So we ended up in 27 countries in 3,000 stores around the world. Wow. Um, Everybody loved the Carl Lagerfeld fashion icon status, Mm -hmm. but loved the innovation um, that we brought in. But it really they're all really interested in well what's next for model co so recently um as a few weeks ago we rebranded yes. obviously still hot pink but with the refresh logo and we're about to relaunch our color collection mm-hmm. last week we launched our tanning collection but there was a huge amount of um interest around the model co brand yeah and what we were going to do next um from a global premium status
0: I am gonna talk about this um, this rebrand because that's very exciting, but I do wanna talk about Emco Beauty because you launched that at the beginning of this year. Diffusion line, no products over $30, which is incredible. What drove you to launch Emco? I felt there was a huge need in the market for a premium
1: on-trend mass beauty brand. Mm-hmm. So at the moment we compete in um, in this market against Rimmel, Covergirl and those. Yeah. But it wasn't really anything that had it was trend focus, lux for less. Um, so I felt that there was a need for, for a brand that could deliver women... Who still want to be on trend but perhaps could not afford premium mm. products between five dollars and thirty dollars? Yeah. So MCO Beauty has been a huge success um, for us with the baby pink packaging. Yes. So where if you walk into Woolworths, you see seas of baby pink everywhere. It's amazing. Um, and Big W. So we're doing really well both locally. We're about to launch internationally into the US. Wow. And so once the Emco Beauty brand was launched, we recently had an event. So yeah. amongst the current face, and we, I was we've, about
0: to say it though all of the love island girls i'm like oh god they've yeah, got the most beautiful glossy love lips island i've ever seen i know
1: so oh. we sponsored love island as their major cosmetic sponsor mm. with
0: emco beauty so that's um yeah it's doing really well this is the kind of brand that i wish existed when i was in high school because my budget was as you say that kind of rimmel that was the budget but that wasn't what you were girly wanted. and fun and it well, just this is really girly and fun and playful so fun. and good quality so yeah it's a, you've really filled a gap that needed to be filled it's now been 18 years since you launched model co you've really remained true to what you were telling me about you know how you began the company it was about filling a gap it's innovative it's fun you know the hot pink packaging you've stayed true to that but you've still managed to innovate and remain relevant how
1: Again, it's about being at the forefront of what women want and what you truly believe yourself is next. Yeah. And I think I've got that um, intuitive way to tap into what I think is going to be the next big thing by way of packaging and formula. Mm -hmm. So um, I felt after 18 years it was important to give whilst the brand will always be hot pink. Yeah. Um, I felt like it needed a bit of a refresh, especially because – the beauty industry is so cluttered, and there are so many brands out there. Yeah, um, it's a big thing for an Australian brand to still be around eighteen years. Um, eighteen it's years huge. In. So, um, so yeah, look, I felt that it was time just to 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 to, 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 to lift the bar, uh, and especially after Carl Lagerfeld, there was an expectation yeah. of what's next. So, we're about to launch a full range of premium colour from Model Co. Yeah, we've just relaunched our self tan collection, and we're launching skincare next year.
0: Let's talk about that relaunch of the self-tan collection because the campaign that has been released with that, it's stunning, firstly, but you're putting a real emphasis on both body positivity and inclusivity, but also safe tanning. Tanning, in my opinion, has always been kind of at the core of Model Co, having Mm. been one of the first products you released. But this campaign does have a different look and a different feel. So can you talk me through why this campaign is so important to the evolution of Model Co. Um,
1: for Model Co. we want to really communicate the fact that we we it's all it is all about diversity. I know everybody uses that buzzword diversity. It's being yeah. done to death. But um, in the campaign we featured Chet Kenny who was a male. Yeah. We wanted to, so man can tan as well. Yeah. So um, we wanted to include that. We had a transgender girl, we had a slightly larger model. We wanted to talk about the inclusivity of the universe and the world as mm. it is today. There's so many people of all different shapes and sizes and buying into the world of Model Co is for everybody. Yeah. So we wanted to communicate that within our campaign and moving forward we've got a, a what we call super role models that we're starting to bring ah. on to the brand. So you're not just a model but you're a super role model. You might I be a mother that. who started a business or you might be an entrepreneur who's diversified off into another category. So um, Modelco is all about inclusivity mm-hmm. and, and will continue to be that way, especially you'll see with our
0: colour and our skincare. Oh, I can't wait. It feels authentic too. The campaign doesn't look like it's a token gesture. It, it's It's a really beautiful campaign. The beauty industry has, of course, changed a great deal over the time since you launched and even, you know, since you founded the modelling agency. What are some of the biggest changes that you have seen within the beauty industry over that time? Look, I think
1: the injection of so many different brands across all different Mastige to Prestige. Um, mm-hmm. it's, the world's a different place now in beauty from when I started. It was very much magazines and newspapers. You put something in a newspaper, you would know it was going to sell because yep. everybody was only driven by those um, print forms media. Of print media. Where now with digital and social media, the whole landscape has changed. Mm-hmm. Would I start a beauty company today? Absolutely not. Yeah. But obviously it's my business and I've had to evolve over time, which has been the biggest challenge. Mm -hmm. The evolution of changing within the way people consume media has probably been my biggest challenge, um, which has affected every industry, not just the beauty industry. Of course. Um, But also um, the way women shop and the way people consume beauty... They used to want to go in and test and try. So you used to have that serviceability. We used to have counters in David Jones and Maya mm-hmm. where now women don't care. They just go online. They yeah. buy it. They don't like it. They return it.
0: So the way women shop mm-hmm. I think is, 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 has, been, has been a huge change. So those are the changes that we have seen. What changes do you think we can expect to see from the beauty industry over the next few years?
1: I think um, heading into more clean beauty, there's a huge buzzword around A a beauty, Australian beauty, um, no nasties. There's, there's obviously been a what for a while now and I think even more so um, animal cruelty. Yes. Um, no pesticides. Yep. So women are getting more conscious about what they put on their skin and advocates for cruelty free and so forth. So mm. it's only going to get harder running a beauty business yeah um, but it's really important that you stay at the forefront of, of what what women want just not what within within the world of products but also their beliefs and what they what, what's important to them
0: I think that comes down to how readily available all of this information is and misinformation in some cases yeah. but they're demanding a lot more my final question what is next for Model Co so we're launching um, an exciting range of premium cosmetics
1: with lots of innovation yes of um, course. And I've been asked now for many years, what is it that I use on my skin? So mm-hmm. being 46 and having run the business from when I was 18, I feel there's a need for um, very smart, um, foolproof skincare. So we're looking to mm-hmm. launch a small range of skincare that talks to skin um, of all ages from 18 through to, to 60. So there's a lot happening in 2020 for the Model Co brand and MCO is about to launch another 25 products. So
0: there's busy, busy times ahead. That was Shelley Sullivan, founder and CEO of Model Co. and MCo Beauty, which you can find on Instagram at Model Co. and at Emco Beauty. To read my interview with Shelley, you can visit glowjournal.com. And for more beauty news, you can find me on Instagram at GemkWatts or at glow.journal. If you liked this episode, please do not forget to subscribe, rate, review and share so other beauty and business lovers can find us. I'm Gemma Watts. You've been listening to the Glow Journal podcast, and thank you for joining me.